Thank you for listening to the 31st episode of the Career Planning Show, which aims to help you launch and grow a fulfilling career. On this episode, we feature an interview with Nicole Cierske. Based in Hamburg, Germany, Nicole helps science, technology, engineering, and mathematics experts and research and development teams navigate corporate work life so they have more time, headspace, and passion to do what they do best. If you'd like to learn more about Nicole's services, visit nicolecierske.com and womeninstem-reimagined.com. Enjoy listening to the interview. Welcome to the Career Planning Show. Our guest today is Nicole Cierske. Nicole, how are you? I'm fine, Alex. Thank you for having me. All right. Nicole, can you walk us through your career journey so far? Yes. So I studied food chemistry and I really love the application aspect of it. You know, instead of being just on the hardcore front end of science, uh, having this, you know, having something to do with things that you can touch in your daily life, meaning food. And in Germany, um, the food regulation also encompasses cosmetics and packaging and these kind of things. So that then led me to finish my studies with my diploma thesis in the cosmetics industry, researching deodorants and why they sometimes work and sometimes don't. And that topic was so interesting, both for me from a research perspective, but also from, a, from the company perspective, because obviously they wanted to sell things that work. And so I stayed there for my PhD or to complete my PhD. And after that, I started working in consumer goods innovation for a while. Uh, I really loved that, developing new products, testing them with consumers, putting them on the market, you know, mm-hmm. scaling up production, all of these kind of things. It was fantastic. And um, yeah, and then there was in the company where I worked, there was a merger or acquisition anyways something that led to the restructuring and typically when that happens because through that acquisition there was all of a sudden you had double the team you know one in europe and one in america and so they put all of the projects on hold until they figured out okay how are we going to set ourselves up who's going to stay who's going to go all of this and um Yeah, so basically I was the one to go. So my role was made redundant, but I found another job inside the company doing product research. But still my my workload was very much determined by internal stakeholders giving us projects. And Mm -hmm. there were hardly any that came through. And so long story short, over the course of, let's say a total of one and a half years, I was working at 10% capacity. And I really like being busy. (laughs) So that was really, really horrible for me. And I, you know, at the time when I noticed, okay, this is really seeping into my personal life as well. You know, I was, uh, I did nothing at work, but twiddling my thumbs, my thumbs all day. And then I came home and was totally exhausted and and couldn't be bothered to do anything. And I was okay, this can't go on like this. So I looked for the help for a coach. And within four sessions, obviously not everything was peachy again, but he had me trying new things, knocking on new doors, uh, yeah, simply pursuing new strategies and also mixing up my life a little bit so I would get my energy back. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do that too for people. 
And that's when I started coaching training. And at the same time, because I pursued all of those new opportunities uh, or knocked on new doors, um, a position opened up, opened up within the company in a completely different area, um, which I could basically, where I could basically write the job description myself. And that is how I switched from doing science to doing change management. So really both in building my coaching practice next to my uh, corporate job and in my corporate job really focusing more on the people side of things and that's where I'm right now <laughs> that's exciting and along that journey what would you say was one exercise or one tool one resource that you came across that had the real impact in your life um, career or personal mm. is there something that stands out to you as you look back I think it is the having someone in your life who is not your family, not your friends, not your boss, but someone who has no vested interest other than helping you find your best solution, like that coach. It could yes. have been a mentor as well. But having that person to, to, to validate my experience because I was because I thought I'm crazy, you know, how many people would love to get paid to do nothing <laughs> and so on. And um, so to really validate my experience and giving me, diff, you know, um, just a bit of inspiration for different things and tools to try and just encouraging and cheering me on on the way and um, also challenging my own thoughts and and yeah, just really helping me process all of what was going on so I guess really having someone yeah and then not only to to talk things through but also but also for that um social accountability you know it's like mm -hmm. okay have you tried this okay you said you were gonna do that did you do mm -hmm. it and so on you know not in the sense of um uh like scolding me when I didn't but really had then helping me to reflect, okay, so what was in the way? Okay, what would you rather try? And so on. So just so that I would get a nudge and a nudge and a nudge <laughs> yes. to slowly, slowly get out of that black hole. That's good. And you ended up uh, pursuing this train of thought where you figured that the best area to focus on in terms of who you want to help um, are women in STEM. And, and looking at turning their career frustrations into a renewed love for their work, as you put it. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, you gotta pick someone that you wanna help. Mm. Um, so, and obviously, I mean, I'm not, I'm not discriminating against anyone. Uh, I'm willing to work and help everyone who <laughs> wants to come and learn and grow and develop. So that is one thing, but I chose women in STEM particularly because I was one of them or I am one of them. So like I, I have been through the same struggles. I have found really great ways to deal with them, overcome them, or even now, you know, mitigate them and be really proactive about, about it, um, yes. both from my own journey, but also from the coaching training and all of that. Our brains are wired in the same way. So I can imagine that um, people who are more on the very creative, um, artistic side of things, our brains are not wired in the same way. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm no good. 
to mm. that level, you know, I can't mm. make any music. I can't, I mean, I can draw a stick figure, but it's like, I know nothing about the creative process in, in that realm. Um, but, you, you know, but, but I do understand how a scientific mind works in terms of forming hypotheses and uh, conducting tests and analyzing data and being super structured and so on. So mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, it's like we just drive better. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's good. And if someone was um, right now sitting in their office, listening to a podcast in their headphones and they realize that they're actually in the spot where you were a number of years ago, where they're feeling under challenged in their work. Um, they have the skills, they have the experience to do more. What would be a train of thought that you would have with respect to that particular situation? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you, if you think the company is still okay, you're just getting a little bored um, or, you know, even frustrated because your ideas aren't heard. That is just, you will have those challenges just anywhere where you go because, mm -hmm. of, you know, I don't know. It's just part of life kind of. Um, so what I don't recommend is, and that's my personal opinion, but what I don't recommend is immediately look for the next place to go to and hoping that in the next company, you're not going to have that same problem. And then it's almost like, you know, like in relationships where you have the honeymoon phase and everything is good. And then all of a sudden, you know, over time you realize, okay, this is just a normal company as well. There's mm -hmm. company politics and there are personal agendas and there's a strategy that we need to implement and execute. And there's just things to get done. So learning how to, first of all, find yourself within the role that you are in new challenges, meaning developing new skills, the ones that you don't have the bandwidth for, as long as you're still struggling to get a catch on all of the technical aspects of your job. So I always think that, let's say about one and a half to two years in, you probably got all of the te technical aspects down. You have your little network to get everything done. You know how the processes work, A to C. You know how you use the systems. You, you're, you can make a really good impact. You deliver solid work. Yes. And that is the moment where you have the feeling and maybe, oh, maybe I'm not learning anything anymore. Mm -hmm. But, and maybe... Maybe that is so because you, it's like driving a car, you know, you can do it um, without even paying attention to where the gas is or where the brake is. And, and, uh, but, but that is the moment where you, you know, now have the bandwidth to start developing all of those other skills that yes, you need yes. that can um, enhance your career, that can build your leadership skills, you know, before before you take on a leadership position, maybe all of these kind of this, it can be a huge play playground. You just need to know how to look for it. Mm -hmm. And if someone is in that position and they're self-sabotaging, they're using phrases like, I feel like an imposter or I don't have the confidence to take my career to the next level. What are some of your thoughts with regards to that particular situation? Mm. So first of all, everybody occasionally feels like that, no matter where you are at in your career. And I have spoken to also many senior managers and it's just, there are just moments that where, where you don't know, 
that is kind of part of the job <laughs> you know when you're at the front end of something that is that is how you know you're doing something new is when you don't know how to do it and my recommendation is when somebody feels or, or has to mm, feels like they want to say i have to, i have imposter syndrome it's just really okay learn to live with it you know don't try to fight it don't try to obsess about it um but just learn okay it's there it's it's part of normal life and then instead redirect your focus on your strengths uh, if you don't know them yet go on and dis discover them uh, learn to embrace your unique quirks um, you know, really the things that you might think are weaknesses or flaws, but that really make you unique and that contribute to that whole diversity of thought that we so yeah. need in teams. Yes. And focus on adding value to the world, because as long as you are shining the spotlight on you, you will always have incredibly high standards to yourself. You will uh, always obsess about, okay, how do I look in front of myself and in front of others? But as soon as you focus the attention on the work that needs to get done or the colleagues that you want to have or the customers you want to make an impact for, then I don't know, it's just other things become more important than obsessing about uh, how good or not good you are. I love that. And I very much agree with you. There are so many individuals who provide career advice and the career advice that they provide is is so focused on the individual feeling better about themselves when at the end of the day each one of us has certain experiences in our lives that maybe involved a certain level of trauma or maybe have you know one aspect of us that is labeled by society in a negative way or you know has a gap in terms of our skills and experience and that is stated as an absolute requirement to be considered for the next opportunity well the reality is that nobody will have a hundred percent of the requirements for the next opportunity the fact is that most likely you will have to be in that job and perform it in order to have the full scope of skills and experience that are required for you to do well in it. And, and so your train of thought around, you know, taking this thing that maybe is the uh, imposter syndrome or is, you know, a certain um, lack of confidence or maybe something that is, you know, I like how you put it, the quirk, not necessarily something that's objectively negative about you is just something that's different right and and put that on the shelf and actually focus on adding value to society focus on um you know finding a way to solve a problem that that we're finding in in our community and that will help us find more better experiences out of out of the work that we're doing as opposed to just focusing on you know self-enhancement <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And a, a mentor of mine, she always says, nothing is bad news. I mean, obviously, if we messed up, if we made a mistake, then we should acknowledge it, we should own it, and then seek to correct it and learn from it and do it better next time. But when it comes to things about ourselves, or let's say somebody's, you know, wants to apply to an to another open position, either internally and externally, and then you think, 
okay, so I have, you know, they request this, this, and this, but I only have two out of three, but mm. I have something else instead, you know? So then instead of taking this as, oh, this is bad news and now I can't do it, anything about it, you can always, okay, choosing to believe that there's no bad news, how can I reframe or spin everything else that I do have, or how is even that gap or that lack of experience, how, how might that be a good thing? Because maybe you don't have the blinkers on that you get if you have done a, a job in a, you know, for decades, you might be coming with new and fresh ideas because you don't know, like all of the you're not indoctrinated, you know, with the best practices and the and the mm. assumptions that we tend to hold when we are experts in something for too long and so on. So, yeah, you can in those moments when you feel like this um, this idea that you're lacking something, that this is holding you back from going after something that you would really, really want to do, then just think, okay, if nothing is bad news, now how would I start talking about this? Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of bad news. The reality is that we live in an environment where the COVID-19 pandemic is, is a reality for businesses and for government. And it's not just one person, but there are quite a lot of people that I'm noticing are talking about not just pursuing very different roles, but even moving countries because they don't like the way the political leadership in the countries has handled the COVID-19 pandemic, or, you know, there are all these external factors that are triggering trains of thought that would significantly impact a person's life, uproot them from their family and from their current networks and place them in a new environment. What comes to mind from your perspective? But when it comes to taking decisions in this current climate um i mean if your life is at stake then by all means go somewhere where you are safe yes mm -hmm. but other than that so i for myself i i have the premise that i'm not making any big decisions when i'm not feeling good when i'm mm -hmm. not up to my energy when i'm not at least a little content and happy with where i am mm -hmm. because there's one thing I always want to make sure that I like my reasons. And let's say I'm because I'm pouting with my government and now I'm uprooting my family and I'm moving somewhere else. And then I'm looking back a year or two later. Will that, will that have been a good enough reason mm. to do that? You know, to take on all of what, I mean, you will have problems either way. You know, it's just a question, you know, which problem do you want to have? So doing that out of this, um, I, I totally get the frustrations. And I know many, many people have lost substantially their income, um, their livelihood is threatened, all of this. I can totally understand. And please do, don't think I'm like um, diminishing that or like not taking that seriously. Um, However, at the same time, and yes, we can debate, was it right or not right? Or did uh, the politicians have an agenda or not? And so on. And did some people, you know, cheat the system and get rich uh, through all of that misery and so on? Yes, there are really bad things that have happened. At the same time, 
which was a really unprecedented uh, thing that just happened. And honestly, I don't want to be a politician right now and lead a country through that type of crisis. And so, the, I mean, you can only do it wrong. And so I wonder, again, everybody, please make up your own mind, have your own decision. But if we want to have a philosophical conversation here, then for me, this wouldn't be, you know, just because I disagree with that course, um, uh, then, I mean, the, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to imagine where I would draw the line in terms of mm. what my country's leadership would have to be like for me in order to say, like, okay, I can't, it's like, I can't bear this anymore, you know, mm -hmm. like I would probably, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never lived in a country where I had to face um, in my own life dictatorship or, mm. you know, something like that. So I, I don't know. But just because I disagree with what the vaccination plan looks like, <laughs> I'm not sure if that would be a good enough reason for me personally to, to just like make major life changing decisions, unless I have a really good reason to do so. And, you know, something that pulls me toward like i don't know there's like this awesome opportunity in uh the caribbean or in yeah. norway or wherever somebody might want to go and 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 that's why i want to go there but not to um yeah i'm not i'm not out of spite sounds good <laughs> what do you well, think about I, this i'm curious what i think about it is that we indeed need to consider the um, the situation holistically. We actually recently went through the process of living in a totally different part of Canada. We moved from Toronto to Halifax while I was doing master studies and we had the experience of, of living on the east coast of Canada instead of um, central Canada um, for two years. And we really missed family. We oh. really missed um, having my parents and my brother, his wife and their children around and it was, it was such a, a meaningful aspect of our lives and we didn't want to have our children grow up apart from family. Already the rest of our families are back in Romania, back in Ghana for my wife. And, and so um, them, us being on our own in a, a new environment, as, as great as it was, um, it really made us pause and think, well, what do we want for our future really um, is you know, lower house prices is stable uh, income and easier lifestyle really worth it. And in, in some situations it is, but you have to look at the full package um, and, and take that into account because there are a lot of different considerations that are at play with any decision. Um, and, and my train of thought is that we need to think wisely and holistically and even if we make a decision, we go somewhere for a while, we can, we can come back, but, you know, we should be open to, to, to changes like that in, in our lives in order to, um, and they will impact our careers, um, most certainly, but as long as we look at things holistically and, and they make sense for, for us and they're able to allow us to make the impact in society that we want to have, um, then I think uh, it all comes together in a positive way. Now, I wanted to ask you, Nicole, what's next for you? What, uh, what are you working on right now? And um, what, does the, um, you know, what are some of the goals that you have for the next little while? Um, I would be wrong to say I have no goals, but I have over the past years, I have continuously 
made decision after decision after decision to eliminate more and more of the things in my life that I don't want in my life. And that might be people, that might be tasks to do, that might be whatever it is. And also to have more and more of the things in my life that I really want and that make me happy and content. So I can honestly say that I'm, I'm living my best life right now. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't look for things that I can learn, that I can grow both in my corporate career, but also in you know, serving my clients. Uh, there, will, there will always be little projects going on, like um, launching programs or uh, hosting my free masterclass. And so, so there's always things to prepare and to continue to grow. But um, it's really at a point where I, it's like, you know, I, I had, I, I sowed those little seeds and they've become plantlets. And now I'm, uh, I'm just, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm watering and nurturing and I, I just want to uh, see what grows out of this with continuous effort and attention. Yeah. One question that I was meaning to ask you and it didn't, uh, it didn't come to mind earlier, but I want to ask you as we're talking about nurturing, um, if you think about uh, children um, who uh, might show an interest in the kind of play that makes you think that, hey, STEM is something that maybe they should consider. Um, it's something that maybe we can encourage them to pursue. Are there any games or um, tools or methodologies that you think are helpful that parents can use or educators can use to um, to, to encourage children to explore the possibility of uh, pursuing careers in STEM. Mm. So what age of children are we talking about? Five to 12, let's say. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a nice age. So I don't know that because I, I, I don't have children, but I have had uh, the opportunity where I was studying, we would um, regularly host something called children's lab, meaning where, would you, where we would um, invite a bunch of preschoolers to spend a day with us and to just do tons of experiments so they would all get like a little lab coat and they would all get their goggles on and so on and we would do experiments with things that you find around the household and the I mean obviously we wanted them to learn something but the main focus was for them just to have a really really great day to be um, to have fun experimenting, discovering, um, go crazy, make completely nonsensical experiments, make a mess, <laughs> just really have fun so that they don't, um, yeah, that they, they get mm -hmm. closer to this. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there are probably tons of resources all around the internet on this, but a few things that we did were, for example, um, it's like this um, magic ink kind of thing. So where you would uh, write with lemon juice, you would just write something on a piece of paper and you would not see, I mean, you would see where it was wet, but you, otherwise you wouldn't see it. And then you can put it in the oven for a little while at some low heat. And then after, and then it becomes brown and then the, the ink, so to speak, becomes visible. And um so that was one small thing. Then there's another thing that we did. So you know how you can have this little, um, like uh, this um, filtration paper, like when you make coffee and so on. So you can yeah. you can have these in in white, 
and we would basically use um, pens, so colored markers, and just make like little dots. And then we would have a well, a solvent, which was either um, water with a bit of um, how do you call acid in English? So as, as something acidic, anyways, <laughs> or it would be uh, vodka, depending on the um, depending on the marker. And then uh, it would kind of like so the so the solvent creeps along the paper, and when it reaches the the dot of the pen is, then it takes some of the colors with it, and and black gets dissected into all its consisting colors, and you know we would call it like a little. Uh, uh, the Formula One of pens, basically, <laughs> just to see which one gets the fastest or the farthest. Or then another thing is, I mean, what is always fun is having making a volcano out of baking soda and lemon juice. So there's a lot going on there to watch. And then another thing that is that I find still to this day, I really find it so impressive is we would make a um, a rainbow in red cabbage juice. So we would take um, we would take some leaves of red cabbage and cook them. So we would have the juice, and when it's cold, we would fill them all in like little test tubes, and then we would put um, you know drops of other things in there. And so it's really a really dark purple, dark blue uh, when when we start out. And then if you put in something acidic, like you can use um, apple juice or ah, vinegar. Now there's the word essig in uh, <laughs> English is vinegar. Um, then it becomes red. Uh, if you put in something basic, like, um, I don't know, uh, washing powder, for example, it turns green. And then if you, if you um, I mean, we would make a solution of, of washing powder. And then uh, if you have um, washing powder that is just for whites, you know, that has these bleaching agents in, then it would actually over time turn yellow. And so you would have a really nice rainbow out of this red. Don't drink it. Please don't drink it anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, so this you can see from what I'm talking about is like it was just so much fun and they, um, yeah, and they they were just always so excited about what we did there. That's great. Well, I'm really glad I asked you this question because you're definitely really passionate about it and uh, it can be these can be helpful exercises. Now I wanted to um, ask you how can our audience uh, keep in touch with you? Yeah, so come and find me on LinkedIn and say hello. I always love connecting with people there. And uh, other than that, you, you will probably put the link to my website in the show notes. And then I invite everyone who likes to learn and grow and develop um, yeah, to come and join me for the next Women in STEM Reimagined Masterclass. It's coming out every March and September. So it's a week-long masterclass series with interviews of different experts to help you with your professional development. And it's free to attend. That's great. If you enjoyed this interview with Nicole Chierske, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and share it with a friend.